Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. Talking about how you have have had some uh, have had a rough week, uh, or maybe even multiple weeks now, uh, talking to your clients, your patients, um, and yeah, I mean things aren't great in the United States, uh, as we all know. So, uh, our president, or the president, Donald Trump, signed into effect what is effectively a Muslim ban. Um, I want to give some some basic facts here that come straight from the executive order, which I read and pulled these facts straight from. And then we should break out and talk about this. So uh, for 90 days, there is a ban on people in immigrating to the United States from Muslim-majority countries. Uh, after that point, there will be stipulations put into play by the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Homeland Security, and the Department of National Security as well. So um, that, that that's the start. Then there is a 120-day ban on the Refugee Admissions Program. Yes, for 120 days, we will not let refugees into the United States. And after those 120 days, only countries given permission by the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Homeland Security, etc., will be allowed to send their refugees to the United States, or we will be able to accept those refugees. Um, Syrian refugees are outright banned by our president. It literally says, I ban refugees from Syria. Uh, and uh, in, in the entirety of 2017, we are not accepting more than 50,000 refugees because our president says that is detrimental to the United States. Uh, on top of that, the Secretary of Homeland Security is required under this executive order to collect and report on any sort of terrorism data that uh, might come into play uh, to effectively try to uh, share this this propaganda. Um, that Yeah. So the, there's one more thing that I want to touch on, and this is a very important uh, quote that comes directly from the executive order. And I'm just going to read it, and then I'm going to say, hmm, afterward, and we should talk about this. <clears throat> the United States cannot and should not admit those who do not support the Constitution, the, the Constitution, or those who would place violent ideologies over American law. In addition, the United States should not admit those who engage in acts of bigotry or hatred, or those who would oppress Americans of any race, gender, or sexual orientation. That comes from Trump's Muslim ban. Yep. Yep. <laughs> It's a real, uh, it's a real mess. It's a, it's a real travesty. It's anti-American, and uh, you know what I really appreciated is uh, you know here in Boston, there's a huge, just a huge protest over at Copley Square, uh, my district, District Eight, by the way, um, and you know like probably three or four thousand people down there just vigorously protesting this. Uh, you had a lot of Jewish people showing up, you know, with signs saying like, I've seen this before. And it's just, um, it's shocking. 
it's shocking. And what to me is more shocking is Stephen Lynch, the man I'm running against, is just quiet. He hasn't said a word about it. So this is this is the Democratic Party that's supposed to fight back against Trump's extremism, right? Like Stephen Lynch, who just doesn't want to say anything about this legislation. It's it's disgusting. And you know, the the silence from the Democrats over this, it just it breaks my heart. I I, I can't believe how little of a fight they're putting up over this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's that type of complacency that allows these acts to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Period. You know, there was a story that came out about a, a very young girl, uh, like an infant. And, you know, she was scheduled to come to the United States and get, like, heart surgery. And the odds are really strong that she's going to die while she's waiting for uh, to see if she can come, which she probably can't. So, you know, this is just, it's it's disgusting. I, I, I just, you know, I know our nation has, has wrestled with, race before in very vivid ways and it's naive to think that we've gotten past it but it's just it's so frustrating to me that when we're really pushing forward as a nation and and becoming something greater and opening up our awareness to you know uh, just these biases we have against people that trump is just slamming on the gas to push us backwards it, mm-hmm. it's it's really scary i mean how do you feel micah Obviously, this, uh, you know, this, this, uh, I've been, I've been afraid ever since uh, I was sitting in a, in a restaurant the night of the election, and the, the thing started to turn, and I saw around me, I felt safe before, and I, I, I saw around mm-hmm. me the moods shift in, in the audience, and uh, you know, in the restaurant, in the crowd of all of these people who were cheering for this man to be elected as president. And it was a reminder um, in that moment and later on that night when I was literally harassed by a white man for absolutely no reason other than the fact that I was not celebrating the fact that Donald Trump had won the presidency, um, that, you know, this comfort that I had was uh, a false comfort and that things were going to continue to be uh, unsafe. And what has happened is that every day I and many more people, I mean, everyone uh, has woken up and seen this continue to go down this path toward I mean, we're making enemies with Australia. We're making enemies with Mexico. We're making we're making enemies with everybody. And at the same time, we are turning our backs on people who need our help. And like, it comes down to the you know everybody here, except for Native Americans, have come from some other place. This is a nation of immigration, and we have a man who is literally just absolutely shutting out what America is. And there are people cheering that on. That's, that's what, what has, you know, been the most uh, terrifying thing for me is that I have actually seen more people come out of the woodwork that, you know, I once, you know, believed one thing about and have seen them, you know, cheering this on and, and celebrating this. And that's terrifying that, that this is becoming so normalized that, um, people are comfortable, uh, being hurtful and, uh, you know, taking it even farther than that. 
I'll, I'll tell you something else, Micah. Um, you know, Howard Dean said this uh, two days ago, and I really agree with it. You know, the, the base of the Democratic Party is leaving our leaders behind. You know, on uh, CNN uh, the other night, there was a very articulate uh, kid. You know, he was uh, 19, and, you know, he asked Nancy Pelosi. Oh, yes. uh, and he's like, you know, uh, a majority of people under 30, you know, across the board, not just left, you know, not just progressive, Across the board, a majority of people there don't uh, believe in capitalism and think it's exploitive. What do you want to do about that? And you know, rather than answer a really serious question about an economy that's left a lot of people behind, you know, Nancy Pelosi kind of spun and talked about like standard oil and like the way things were a hundred years ago, as if that's something we can get back to. Um, you know, and it's not that, you know, like this person, I'm a communist, though I do think we need to really rethink, uh, it's clear something's gotta change here. But, you know, I think it really speaks to this leadership that's just living in a fantasy, right? And the Muslim ban just isn't something they'll fight. And they're not fighting these Trump cabinet nominations. They're just mm-hmm. disastrous. Like Tim Kaine has voted for every single one that came so what far. Is he up was, with that? What I, is up it's with dis- it's, that? It's, it's, it's despicable. So... Yeah. Ridiculous. So, you know, I really, I, I don't want to just be a hammer the same note on the show every week, but guys, like, if you're upset about this, go primary these people, because I'm upset enough to go primary someone. We don't have to settle for this in our party. And the mm-hmm. Democratic Party should be a party that says, no, if you're going to vote for a Muslim ban, we will stop you with everything we've got all day long. We will sit on the floor of the House. We will use every tactic at our disposal to stop you. And it's not because I want to be an instructionist, but it's like, this is the stuff we can't compromise on. Like, this is... This is, can you live with yourself? Can mm-hmm. you sleep at night? Can mm-hmm. you feel good about what your historic legacy is going to be? That's what's at stake here. And I'm just increasingly angry at this party. Mm-hmm. And when they say, what did you do? What are yeah. you going to say? Right? Tim Kaine's going to say, I voted for this. Yeah, I, I the the fact that so many people are saying, you know, we, we, as you mentioned in, I think it was even in the last episode, you talked about how the House of Representatives is literally supposed to be the representation of the people. There are people coming in and going out all the time so that they can be representation for the people. Then they go and they ask, hey, constituents, what do you want? And then we say, we do not want you to vote for these people. And then there's this argument and, and uh or not, not argument, but there's this whole thing about how we have to, you know, well, we've got to play the politics here and we've got to give this uh, this privilege so that we can get something here and take some. No, the, your your constituents are telling you exactly. And, and you know what? Even like, honestly, like screw the constituents. Just look at the, the ethics of the situation. How can you do this? How can you say that you're okay with putting a person in charge of the United States educational future who has clearly proven themselves to not be equipped to handle that? 
in the case of yeah. the, the Muslim ban, which is clearly a target, no matter what uh, my aunt and my, my cousin and my whoever might say, you know, that it's not a Muslim ban. It is a Muslim ban because there's so many just dead on facts. There are just there's so much evidence out there and, and uh, uh, precedents or rather, you know, past mentions from President Trump and from others about how that is what this was supposed to be. There's also a stipulation in the actual executive order that talks about how we are going to prioritize those refugees who are uh, said to be minority religion or individuals in a minority religion in these countries, uh, which if you think about it, in the countries that we are banning, where they are uh, Muslim-majority countries, the minority religion is most often Christianity. So essentially, yeah. we are prioritizing Christians over Muslims, mm -hmm. and that is just flat-out wrong. There's no ethics society. to that. Yeah, it, it's – it's uh, wow. <laughs> We're going back to the time whenever we had these, these caste systems, and it's wrong. <laughs> So, Georgia, I mean, what are you seeing from Canada? Like, what's what's your take on this? We Canadians are really traumatized from this. A lot of people come into my sessions really upset about it because, um, you know, I can't even watch TV shows. And, uh, like, you know, I'm watching a show. It's called Colony. It's okay. Don't go out and get it. I don't, I don't like that show very much. It's, it's okay. It's, yeah. Like, right? But, like, you know, it's it's a show about, you know, how... These people are listening to these aliens and just doing whatever it wants and like the fight for good, triumphing over evil. And I'm like, huh, doesn't always happen. I can't, I, it's just, it kind of wrecks my own ability to feel like, cause these things shouldn't happen. Like we've gotten past this and this throws us back so many years into the past where, um, and like this is going to be one of those moments where you know are you going to be on the the you know side of history that will prevail eventually and, and i i do say that there are some pieces to this that that make me feel a lot of joy in that people are standing up and actually saying i have to speak out and i have to do something and i i i love that people are saying i now i must take action i just wish that it didn't take something like this in order to create that so that people could look further ahead and be able to critically think about things and know that they have to take a stand. Um, I tweeted out the um, poem by uh, Martin uh, Niemöller. Um, it's the first they came. Um, I'll, I'll read it. It's, it was written long ago, so the lingo is not really correct. They have more politically correct versions, I guess, but I'll, I'll read it as he wrote it um, during the time of World War II. Um, first they came for the unionists and socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the incurables, but I did not speak out because I was not weak or sick. Then they came for the gypsies, Jews, Slavs, homosexuals, all the different, and I did not speak out because I was not, I was not one of these. And finally they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. No matter how many times I hear that, I, I get goosebumps every time, and it's... Uh, it's still just as as poignant and shocking, you know, every time. And, you know, s specifically speaking about that, Brie, I, I kind of want to hear your your thoughts on this, because, you know, I had been watching um, my sort of 
quote-unquote echo chamber for a while and and watching for who was speaking out about the Muslim ban um, and who wasn't. And then came along um, some rumors that uh, the Trump administration was going to be enacting some anti-LGBT you know, executive order of some sort. Um, And a lot more people got a lot more loud when that happened. Um, I, I actually, I remained, I remained quiet on the, on that front uh, in the beginning because they were rumors uh, whenever, while in comparison, the Muslim ban is a thing that has actually been enacted, signed into law and has happened and is affecting people. Um, So I, you know, I chose to focus my attention, my energy on that. But I'm just curious. I mean, do you have, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, Yeah, it's not what I saw at all. Um, it, it's just not, maybe we just run in different circles, that's, but, that's uh, I saw, I saw a lot more anger about the Muslim ban, just to be really honest with you. Um, so yeah, there that's it good. is. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad. It did, it did make me very angry to see, um, you know, the, some in the media trying to like Trump made a very weak announcement that he wouldn't issue an executive order, like withdrawing all like federal protections for LGBT people. And people are like, Trump is so pro-gay. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He agrees to not dismantle all of this. And he's got a, 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 a viper in a cabinet that's going to like slowly edge rights back. You're going to call him pro-gay. Like it's just a joke. But yeah, this is not what I saw at all, Micah. Can I ask you both also about um, the Uber backlash um, and how both you feel? about so uber um is is part of his um i don't know what analysts tech tech analysts part group it's part of a board yeah yeah Yeah. and um uber faced a whole bunch of backlash because of that and now um today uber has come out saying that they have withdrawn um from the position i mean i just wanted to get what both of your thoughts were on that as well I think it's, uh, you know, like he, um, it just came out that, you know, the Uber executive is going to withdraw from that board because there's such a backlash. And just to be honest, like protests are, are working, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've got to keep the pressure on and frankly, just make the cost very high for anyone that does business with this administration. Uh, so I was very heartened by that outcome and very disappointed in Uber. But, you know, we've, we've talked on the show about their not great culture before. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's my thought. What are yours, Micah? Uh, it's along the same lines. So Travis Kalanick was, uh, on Trump's economic advisory board, um, and, they were quiet for quite a period of time about everything, and uh, then they chose to speak out. And then because people were deleting their Uber accounts uh, to the full extent, not just deleting the app, but also going online and removing their account, uh, they started to ask people if they were removing it because of um, you know no talking about the Muslim ban. And so then they were redirecting users to pages that showed what they were saying about the Muslim ban. And, you know, Uber has had a history of being pretty dadgum gross um, in a lot of its uh, dealings. Um, 
as a person who has worked in a professional capacity as a journalist, um, it, it, you know, from, from the moment whenever they were threatening to spend money to try and, um, harm this journalist and, uh, pull out, you know, uh, pull up dirty laundry about her and all this other blah, 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 um, to now whenever they remained quiet. And then whenever they finally decided to speak, then they wanted to say, no, no, don't do this yet. Let us show you what we did because we're so great. Like, look over here. It's just gross. Uh, so Uber and gross are kind of like in my mind, whenever it's, it's that word association game, when Uber comes up, then gross comes up. And I mean, the company as a whole, I've met a lot of great Uber drivers, if I could lie. And, um, you know, I, the drivers have nothing to do with the corporate policy, right? Exa- the yes, drivers exactly. are just normal people that are trying to make a living. Uh, yeah, I think it's really a mistake to blast Uber drivers. Like they're usually people that are underpaid in their main job. They're working a second job, like hauling my butt around. So I think it's a like it shows our failing economy. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. There, yeah, there are plenty of stories yeah. out there about that as well. And I think you know that is kind of where uh, Georgia to, to specifically answer your question, that's where I do have a bit of a conflict is that, you know, there are people trying to earn an honest living um, using this company, and they're able to do it because of this company. And I, you know, I think that's great. Um, and it's sad that the the corporate side of the company is gross and does these gross things and how that has resulted in the harm of everyday people just trying to earn a living. Um, so yeah, I mean, I am disappointed. All right, in guys, I got to tell you, I'm at my limit of being able to talk about Donald Trump. I need a safe word. <laughs> I got to move on, y'all. I, I can't, I can't, I need a topic change Let, let's right now. Let's make the safe word sponsor. Yeah. Okay, sponsor. What's our sponsor? <laughs> the safe word is sponsor. So yeah, so let's round that out and move the heck on. This episode <laughs> of Disruption is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter Squarespace. the offer code. <laughs> I love whatever you do that. Enter the offer code Disruption at checkout, and you're going to get ten percent off your first purchase. So make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea, your next big idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and loads more. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog about dogs, because dogs are awesome, right? Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. You don't got to worry about patches or any upgrades. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff, because Squarespace worries about it for you. Hey, it's nice to not worry about things, right? They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name so you can find chickenparts.org if you need it. And all of those (laughs) award-winning templates are beautifully designed so you can show off your great ideas. I love Squarespace. I've got like three sites running on it right now, and I've never run into any issues. It's super fast, super functional, and uh, makes things so simple, but you can also dig in if you want to. So Squarespace plans start at just 12 bucks a month. In all of a month, you just got to spend 12 bucks. You can start a trial with no credit card required. Just got to go squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, please use the offer code disruption because you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. And of course, show your support for all of us here. We thank you so much to Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. 
about dogs. So this is really, really, really neat. Georgia shared this, and uh, I am curious to hear uh, some of the the psychological kind of aspects of this. So um, I, I don't know if you've ever heard, listener, of locked-in syndrome, but uh, essentially what happens is that those with locked-in syndrome are paralyzed to the point that uh, at the most, um, they all they can do is is move their eyes. The patient can move their eyes. And Oftentimes, at some point, they even lose control of the ability to move their eyes. Um, this is usually a, uh, a symptom of Lou Gehrig's disease, which is amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Um, and these people become paralyzed and unable to, in most cases, communicate other than with blinking their eyes. Well, these scientists are working to create a, a device. It's actually, it's like a swimming cap and it straps to the head and it scans both blood flow and electrical signals in the brain to translate those into communication. And the overall goal is to just um, have a means to prove that someone is actually still a conscious and aware human being, um, as opposed to someone who is in a complete vegetative vegetative state. Um, but it can also be used with uh, communication. And they actually talked about how this has given some families hope who have gone as much as four years in complete silence uh, with, with their family member who has locked-in syndrome, finally being able to communicate with them in some way. So, yeah, I mean, this this certainly is promising technology and um, uh, locked in syndrome. Uh, you hear stories about people who, ha you know, who will come out of, of, say, comas and they are able to talk about all of the time that they spent actually being aware of what was going on around them. Um, and, and locked in syndrome is is the same way, Georgia, in many cases. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's it's probably one of it, it's a lot of people have a fear of that of you know being trapped inside of your own body and being completely aware of everything that's going on. Um, there there really isn't anything, uh, like livable that is like up to that level of extreme trauma that you would go through for years, decades. Um, and being stuck there. So this is a really big deal because what they're doing is they're being able to tell. So when we have an answer to something with uh, using the uh, infrared spectrometry, they can read actually the our, our oxygenation of our blood to be able to say whether we're saying a yes or no question to that. And also to be able to read the brain waves of what does a yes look like and what does a no look like. And so someone that had come out of this after using this technique said that the elation and being able to reach out to others and actually have suddenly a voice again was like the birth of their first child. It was that type of elation of um, freedom and being able to be heard. And so this is a really big deal from people. And yes, it does not affect uh, many people. It's maybe one in 200,000 perhaps but to be that one person and be able to know that there might be a way if you can't move everything because some people it's blinking or eye movements if you're able to do that but what if you can do nothing but you're fully consciously aware and so it's a wonderful movement of 
what we're going to be able to do and slowly as we understand more about the way that the brain reads itself we'll be able to do even more so this is some really wonderful cutting-edge technology that's being able to reach out and really help people interesting there was a a, a girl who wanted to get married and her father was um, locked in and she was able to communicate with him and uh, she wanted to get married and her father constantly said no. Oh, no. <laughs> she kept on asking in hopes that she was reading it wrong. Anyways, they got married anyways. But um, oh! no doubt, that, for some reason. I that, love it. That he is did not, quite he completely the move. did not want them to get married. But at least he could say that. That's true. I would vomit my heart out. If I like, I would obviously I like I would do it, but I would go to bed every night just vomiting, knowing that my father was like, please don't do this. And I chose to do it anyway. And then, you know, like guilt would just destroy my I don't know, I wouldn't have a stomach anymore because I don't have ulcers. Um, I don't know why I even said all uh. of that, but <laughs> OK, well, we need to get tough. you not to care so much what other people think. My father who's in who's locked in. That's like a big I mean, uh, it's true. Uh, but in the end, even even for that you need to live your life uh you know georgia this is a it's a it's a rather serious issue that i'd like to just the wide if you widen this issue out because this is what we call an orphan disease right like it's um you know it's it's something that it's not a really big market for drug makers to like find Mm. cures for right Mm -hmm. so there's not the there's not the economic motive there for that um, you know, this is, this is a really big problem. Like, um, you know, my husband at his company, um, yeah, I can, I can probably say this. They, they look at different diseases that are orphan diseases and they're, they're looking at how to like bring cures to these things, even when there's no money in it. And yeah, I guess like if you listen to this show every single week, like, you know where I stand, like I'm pretty progressive. Something that frustrates me sometimes is uh, people blast big pharma a lot, but at the same time, like there are people in there that spend a lot of money trying to find cures for these exact kinds of diseases. And I know there's a really big conversation to have about like drug prices being far too high and like lobbying, like paralyzing legal, you know, attempts to make drugs, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, affordable. Right. But I do think it's worth saying that this is the kind of disease you do have a lot of people out there working really hard on and we're really making progress. You know, it's, this isn't science fiction in another 20 years for a lot of these conditions, they're going to get around FDA um, rules, like about toxicity and making sure it's safe by like making drugs specifically for you based on like what your cofactor are and like like what specifically will work in your body like that's mm. the level we're moving to so yeah. you know I, I I just want to give a shout out because I know so many people in biotech here in Boston they're really busting their butt to find cures for stuff like this when there's zero money in it and I just I think that's awesome I'm really glad you shared that Brie because I'm you know there is a lot of cynicism out there about uh, like w- with cancer and with in this case locked in syndrome you know, you hear people say, uh, well, why would anyone want to find a cure for that whenever they can make more money, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, and you said, you said the term, what, orphan sickness is, uh, orphan, is that, uh, orphan, what does that mean? Orf- 
Uh, it's basically something like, um, so erectile dysfunction, right? I'm not trying to be funny here. That's something that's a mass market drug, right? There's a lot of demand for that. An orphan, uh, just, you know, an orphan disease, it just means it's something out there. It's just not, it's so obscure that there's not really a lot of money for biotech to go, like, throw a lot of, because getting drugs made and put on the market is extremely expensive. People have no freaking idea how expensive it is. Like, you'll develop drugs, and you'll try to get through round two, and then someone will get killed in a human trial, and then, like, it's billions of dollars down the drain. So, you know, it's, um, there's a, it's, it's really interesting, actually. So, for those specific kinds of drugs, uh, they don't have to do a full FDA uh, test around it, right? Because it's like, well, you can get this cure that may work or nothing. So there's just a whole different set of uh, policies around it. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. No, please, no. I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually like thinking of future topics where I can hear more about. This. <laughs> like, how do we get Bree to talk more about this? Because it's so fascinating. More about biotech. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's uh, that that's really awesome. Um, one of the the things that you know this this touched on um, was the fact that there you know there's a lot of uh, question around the. Uh, oh goodness, I can't even think of the term right now, but it basically means like if you are living a life that is is you know happy to you, is beneficial to you in this situation, they can ask uh, they can ask patients that. Now, the one thing that I wanted to point out though is that uh, the answers relayed through the system, and this is a quote, were consistent about seventy percent of the time. Seventy uh, percent is is, is, uh, you know, it's a C. Um, however, that's obviously substantially better than chance and way better than obviously not having any form of communication at all. Uh, and the next steps, which I, I always like to hear about in studies is kind of where they plan to take the technology next. They want to be able to, uh, give people with locked in syndrome, the ability to select letters so that they can actually fully communicate. Oh, that'd be great. That'll be amazing. Mm. Yeah, there, there's a stat I, I heard once, and I just found this so fascinating, that your your level of happiness is basically baked in. And uh, what they did is they found, they did studies where they asked people uh, that became quadriplegics uh, five years after that event uh, what their happiness levels were. And amazingly, they reset uh, to what they were before that. And I think about that all the time. Like, you know, people, the human spirit to go through and survive is, it's, it's very strong. And, um, yeah, I think this is, um, this is a reflection of that. I just got mm -hmm. tears in my eyes. That's that, like, that's, that's super, super awesome. And, uh, well, it's, it's also depressing. Like if you're not happy, sure. there's not much, yeah, uh, it's not, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say baked in though. It's not yeah. like hardwired. Um, you can, you can change, uh, you know, being a positive person to being someone that's more negative. It's hard. I'm not saying that this is something easy because it, it's something that almost runs in the background of your personality. But, um, I've worked with people that were strongly negative and helped them become positive and happy. And so whatever is what you have practiced will be where, like, even if you're facing like a terminal illness, that will still be what you will end up going to. But, you, there is still hope. You can definitely work on that if you choose to, to be more positive or if you're really angry, to be less angry. 
um, or reactive to be that. Emotionality is also a learned skill. It's neurons in the brain, just like um, learning a language or, um, you know, a sport. Have you ever seen that oatmeal cartoon, Georgia, the one where, um, you know, he's talking about like, there's this sense out there that everyone has to be happy all the time. Like you're just deliriously happy. And he talks about <laughs> how so for scary, him. That's scary, isn't that? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. He talks yeah. about how for him as an artist, he doesn't really feel super happy all the day, right. but he often feels purpose yes. that he takes pleasure in. And yes. I really identify yeah. with that. Like I'm driving yeah. home today uh, in my gorgeous new car <laughs> and you know, like I'm happy, but I'm also like getting stuff done. And yeah. I don't know, like, do no, you I think, think that, that you're right? Yeah. Do you think happiness is the same thing as like sense of purpose? Cause yeah. I feel the latter a lot more. Right? And I don't, I don't think that, I think that we have this, um, fantastical thinking that people should be this joyously happy uh overjoyed all the time which comes off as plastic and fake i think that um that no most of the time we're not going to be happy or overjoyed and in this joyous way and i think that you're right sometimes it'll be more purposeful sometimes it'll be that I have a job that I have to get done and sometimes we'll be sad and sometimes we'll be angry. And I think that a full range of emotions is um, important. I think that if you're caught in a, a negative spin, it can be very detrimental on your health and those around you. And that's a different story to that. But some people do lean towards being more, you know, melancholy or even or um, thoughtful or quiet or introverted and that is not a bad thing none of those are bad things and in different cultures those are things that are looked towards someone that is more cautious in their words or thoughtful in what they say and do and so I think that western culture really pushes this extremely over exuberant uh, extroverted personality type which um, you know some people may be and that is fine but that is not the the meaning of health um, or balance. And, and I think that we need to deal with that. So I think that that's a very good point to bring up. Ooh, I like the that is not the meaning of health. That's that's good. Can I just say one more thing before we move on to the next topic? Uh, sure. Since I've since I've run for started running for Congress, I've come to a realization that no introverted person ever could get elected ever could ever do what you have to do to get elected. And I've, I've been thinking about that so much because like introverts bring so much to any organization that they're in. You know, they're often the more detail oriented people or yeah, like, you know, like we all exist as a human species and there are pros and cons to all kinds of different personality types. And I was just mm -hmm. thinking about that, like how sad it is our election process just basically just makes it impossible for so many people to like yes. succeed in it and how fracked up that is. Yeah, you're right. And I think that we need, like when we talk about diversity and having everyone having their own voice, um, don't you want politicians and people that will stand for you to stand one for everyone and understand that and two, to be thoughtful in what they say and do. So you're right.
I think therapists should run for office. Really, I'm being serious about this. Congress is 43% lawyers, which is just hyper oversampled with that one personality type. And I was thinking today how much better it would be if we had more teachers, more therapists, like people with like emotional skills, Mm -hmm. like making our legislation. Like, because I'm thinking a lot lately, like, why is this process so broken? Like, how can we make it better? And, you know, it's hard to not notice. I think we concentrate a lot on the white and male aspect, and I think that's fair, but it's also going to be 100% extroverts, you know, it's going to be people that don't kind of have this softer approach to life that just could never make it in the system. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely something, you know, um, you know, in Eastern, in Eastern, you know, places that it's different, right? Like they, um, they really hold to a different standard of what what they want it's more like thoughtful and quiet and pensive and with less words and with more time and the pacing is different and so yeah you know yeah there it is you know buddhist monks thrown in there as well heck yeah (laughs) heck yeah love it love it uh then we won't have uh that thing that just happened that we're not talking about so brie you got a new car I got a new car. Guys. Okay. So can I tell you the story of this? Please. Uh, So we, we got our tax refund, right? Um, And I was planning on going and buying a new Mac. Uh, You know, my current Mac is a 2013 maxed out retina MacBook pro. Uh, I also have a 2016 MacBook, which is just a, you know, Slack and email machine, but you know, my work machine is now four years old and I'm like, well, it's time to replace this. And I go over to the Apple store and, I really looked at this year's model and we really blasted it off rockets. So I'm not going to repeat it here, but uh, yeah, there's just no value in it. So I took that same amount of money. I found a used Audi TT, which is a car I desperately wanted my whole life. Ooh. And this is okay. I'm going to tell you guys a, a story I probably shouldn't tell since I'm <laughs> oh, ready for I, I office. Oh, I love these. I love okay. these. The best okay, kind okay. of stories. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so I don't know what year Gran Turismo 2 came out, but I think it was about 2000. So Gran Turismo 2 is this PlayStation 2 game that extremely accurately simulated how to race a car. And it teaches you how to do all these things like flip the car around with your gearbox, <laughs> like do all of this stuff. And at the time, I'm like 20 and I did JF, right? So I'm learning to do all of this stuff in my Honda Accord, my least Honda Accord, and I completely trashed the transmission <laughs> doing all this stuff from Gran Turismo. Oh, no. For Gran Turismo yes. 2. So wait, wait. You are yeah. trying to do things from Gran Turismo in on an your Accord. actual on in your car. I was. I would take it out to parking lots at night (laughs) and learn to, like, flip the car around, like, all the way and, like, shift on the gears and, like, downshift on an automatic to get engine braking to help you to go around corners more efficiently. And the transmission just plunked out one day. (laughs) (laughs) What what did you say when that happened? what did you do? (laughs) I don't know. Did you did you say, oh, I deserve that? I shouldn't have been trying that, or do you no, like I should have no, done it I better? Didn't. I played I played dumb, George. <laughs> I'm like, 
and then and then this is the terrible part that because that car oh wait was that leased, wasn't the terrible part <laughs> because that car was leased like it was repaired <gasps> and then someone else got their car on me which I feel terrible about to this day but the part of the story I want to tell oh, you is my favorite it just car keeps going. <laughs> in Gran Turismo was the Audi TT. The Audi TT from 2000. And now I have the same model, the 2001. Oh, so I have my dream car oh. from when I was a teenager. And I know to not drive yeah. it and abuse it like that one. I was so, going to say, think long and hard about the transmission yeah, and how much you yeah. need that. Yeah, I hope the guy that had it before me took good care of it. By the way, <laughs> the guy I bought it for, there was a Donald Trump bumper sticker on my car. Ah. And I about walked away, I got to tell you. And <laughs> then after I bought the car for only $5,000, I took it to a gas station and took that Trump sticker off. But the point we wanted to talk about on the show today, Micah... <laughs> Was CarPlay because I, this is the real fact. Okay, I know how to drive a manual on my motorcycle. I've never driven a car with the stick shift until I just bought one. Oh my <laughs> and God. Had to, and had to figure it out today driving home. So, oh my <laughs> God, you didn't. Really? I did. Yeah. Oh, I would totally have destroyed your car. Yeah. I am a gutsy woman, Georgia Dow. Clearly. <laughs> Lord but have my mercy. point is, uh, so Micah, you you do a lot of research on you know home automation and stuff like this, and I have to tell you, in a car with a manual transmission, like AirPlay is a that's a CarPlay is it's not negotiable because if you're trying to shift with one hand, I mean, let's be honest, like we all hold our Apple phone up and look at our map mm-hmm. when we're driving, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to to get around. You can't safely do that in uh, a car with a manual transmission. So I'm trying to figure out how to get modify the dashboard from a single DIN to a double DIN nice. so I can get a CarPlay trans, uh, you know, receiver in there. But yeah, Mike, I wanted to talk to you about this. Like, what what have you found with CarPlay? Like, what's your experience with this? Yeah, I was gonna say, especially if it's your first time driving a dog on stick shift in a car. Well, I've might... done it on my motorcycle for like thousands and thousands of miles, right? So it's so probably it's, a little it's... easier for you. I would well, just be lost. It's the same. It's the same. Well, oh, really? it's not Is the it? same. Well, it's a clutch and upshift and downshift. The difference is on a motorcycle, you're shifting up and down by tapping with your left foot on this caliper that's down by the wheels. And you just push it up and down. Here it's a stick, but the, the clutch and everything else is the same. Oh, that's cool. So it kind of maps over. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Uh, well, yeah. So the, there, are, there are two technologies. Um, Siri Eyes Free is oftentimes the thing that is, uh, it's more universal. Um, and Siri Eyes Free basically is like, uh, they take Bluetooth connectivity and then they kind of marry that with with Siri and put those two together and then you're able to use Siri without actually uh, you know looking at your device but full-on carplay um, I if, if anyone listened to the uh, the recent financial call financial earnings call or you you know read a summary at some point uh, you may have heard that Tim Cook he mentioned two things he mentioned uh, homekit and said a lot about homekit and he also mentioned uh, carplay and how it's in pretty much every new uh, car from the top uh, car manufacturers. So it, yeah. it, like, this is going to be the year of CarPlay. However, 
uh, there are, you know, there are a lot of cars on the road and a lot of cars for sale that are not cars that came out this year. So CarPlay <laughs> in older cars can be a bit of a problem. And that's especially because I have yet at least, and, and maybe someone out there has seen something, uh, but Bree, I know you looked into it too, and I have been looking into it in the past. There's no single DIN uh, CarPlay option. You have to have that double DIN in order to do all the fancy schmancy, uh, you know, tip tapping and everything like that. Now there are, um, there are some single DIN, uh, devices that have a slide out touchscreen display that becomes kind of a double DIN thing, but I've not seen any of those that offer CarPlay. So, which is, it's frustrating. It's like, you would think that'd be a possibility. Um, in my car, I used the, uh, wire cutters recommendation for, uh, the, it's a Bluetooth stereo receiver. Um, and you know, it's single DIN in my car, but I've actually had that thought too, Brie, of like, how can I rip this apart up here and put it in a double yeah. din? Because I think that'd well, be really yeah. cool. I mean, there are, the aftermarket, uh, you know, stuff for at least Aldi's is huge, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you've got every front grill piece you can imagine. And like, I, I've really been hoping someone would like modify the dashboard to like make it doubled in. I haven't seen one so far. So I'm going, huh, can I get the, can I find an STL of what the dash looks like? And then... 3d print one out like like you know like i'm trying to get innovative with it but i think this is this is clearly a a market right like this is yeah this that's that's the thing that's what's so frustrating about it is like so alpine kenwood pioneer and sony are the four players in the carplay aftermarket system uh the only four players you look at other technologies you look at you know HomeKit, for example or you you look at uh things that offer you know Siri tie-ins and things like that. And it's it's vast. And so it's a little frustrating. Like these four companies are doing it and they're kind of doing it slow. And, and when you think about it, car technology in general is kind of super slow to come to play. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that I think is an issue here is that I have heard, uh, actually, I used to work at a company that was trying to get their app onto the CarPlay system. And so I was, uh, you know, firsthand watching the process for trying to do that. And it's, it's, uh, it's not simple. Um, and it requires a lot of like, it's kind of how Twitter verification used to be where you kind of had to know a person who knew a person who maybe knew a person. And then, you know, you like do a double back handshake or whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's buried. And I think that that is making it, uh, detrimental because if there were more apps on CarPlay, uh, I think, you know, people, would push for it and then manufacturers would know that they needed to include it and the aftermarket systems would become more vast. So I, I think that's part of the problem. But I, yeah, Brie, you know, you bring up a good point about CarPlay, which is how it's so tied into your car system where you don't have to pay attention to the dash. You can just call and talk and use voicemail and send messages all via Siri. And that's really cool. I mean, I always think, I mean, I want to be really clear here. Do not text and drive. Like, I've gotten really good at uh, one of the reasons I love the Beats headphones is because you can hold it down and use it to, like, transcribe text to Siri and have her, you know, read stuff back to you, which I appreciate. Do not text and drive. At the same time, it's like your car is like a, a, your phone rather, is a core part of your life and how mm-hmm. you get around, right? Yeah. And you need maps, you need mm-hmm. music, you need audiobooks, you need to know where you're going. And, you know, having that integrated into your car 
you know, the reason people are using their phones while they're driving isn't because they're monsters. It's because that's where the information is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, to me, it, it makes sense to really prioritize bringing this to cars in a way where it's safe to, to do it. Because I have to tell you, like a tape deck or a CD player, like a C, the idea of either of those things is just ridiculous. <laughs> it and is. it, and it, it kills me that... Yeah, at least in my car, like I've got great music and it's going through a freaking tech tape deck, right? Oh no! <laughs> so, right, right, right. Like we've we've got to update this stuff. Yeah, it has uh, to Georgia, be for set you. Up. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask if if you um, what kind of system you use in your car is it CarPlay, is it Bluetooth, or do you do the the tape deck or like the Bluetooth over radio thing, or how how do you have yours set up? I have Bluetooth, so um, and it, it sets up to my car, but the interface to be able to set up your phone. <clears throat> to be able to use music and um, make phone calls is absolutely archaic. And my uh-huh. car, like I, I'm like Siri is not fabulous, right? We've all talked about how Siri really doesn't understand what I'm saying. But after I use um, my car's Bluetooth and and I'm I'm speaking with I forget I don't even know what operating system my car uses, but it's horrifically archaic. It has no clue what I'm saying. <laughs> no clue and it's not because i'm speaking canadian i hear you guys all of you i hear you no no it's not it completely has no clue what i'm saying and so then i go back and i say yeah you know what i would i'll take carplay over this any day i uh so the the one that i ended up getting you know i got it because it offered that bluetooth functionality and i thought oh this is going to be good i'll be able to just hop into my car it'll automatically connect i'll be able to play music on it and then it actually comes with a, a microphone that has a super long wire that plugs into the back of the system and you can route it and so i actually have it um on the the dashboard behind my steering wheel and you know it's always ready for me to speak to it and so because it has that microphone that's closer to my mouth than you know somewhere up above the car or wherever it might be it's actually pretty good however I found myself not using the Bluetooth functionality as much because I love the included USB functionality so the the wire cutter um, recommended Bluetooth car stereo is a uh, one from Pioneer and you can plug in a USB cord uh, to lightning, plug in your phone, it automatically connects over the uh, iPod protocol, and it charges your phone while you're using it, and then you can do all of the controlling right from the uh, Pioneer system or over Siri, and H-E-Y Siri works as well. And so I, it's fast, I mean, not fascinating, it's fantastic. Uh, I really love this device. However, CarPlay's friggin' cool, and I'd love to have a CarPlay system if I could. So this is just kind of like me settling. But what I found interesting was the Bluetooth technology and that wireless uh, possibility did not outweigh the uh, nice option of being able to both charge and listen at the same time on my non-headphone uh, jack iPhone 7 Plus. So that's been pretty great. That's really interesting, huh? So yeah, uh, that, that's uh, that's my recommendation if you can't find slash 3D print your own dash, which I don't know how I never thought of that, but that sounds like a really cool idea that I'm going to look into because... All right, we got to end this. We do, this we sucker. do. I was just yeah. going to say, so, uh, Springfield has a... a like a whole workshop area where they have, you know, 3D printers and all that, all those uh, big machine CNCing, nada, da 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 So I'm going to try and get a membership there. I like, or I'm thinking about it now. You really inspired me to 
possibly replace the dash. Although I probably just need to get a new car uh, because I drive a Dodge Stratus. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, it is that time to round time. out the show. Uh Look, if you would like to get in touch with us to leave us questions so we can have those uh, for future episodes of the show, please do that. You can call us at 508-418-3532. You can also tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me or send us a direct message if you'd rather keep things private. Uh, in any case, please let us know if you would like your name set on the show. Otherwise, we'll default to anonymous. Go ahead and review the show on iTunes. Uh, you remember you can just leave stars if you'd like there's no reason to leave uh text but we'd love it if you would find our show notes at relay.fm slash disruption and if you're looking for me you can find me at micah sergeant on most things or at www.chihuahua.coffee if steve were here and not at disney you could find him at wicked good but i hear the internet is terrible there so he's probably not even tweeting that much brie if people are looking for you uh to support your campaign or to just get in touch where to learn about how much you dislike dogs where can they go <laughs> i love dogs and cats equally vote for me <laughs> um <laughs> you can go to brianna Wu 2018 or you can go to the spicy my twitter account is like you ate the spiciest jalapeno ever Ooh. That's why you should follow me on Twitter um, or look for me in my car or look for me at Harvard this week where I'll be speaking nice. oh, or lovely. the New York Times soon. So, yes, um, Brie is bringing sexy me. back. I am. I am. I may be on HBO soon. Oh, so. my gosh. Yeah. Yep. 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 Exciting. At Space Cat Gal, right? At Space Cat Gal. That's it. On the Twitters. And last but not least, the queen of the dash and the underscore. Georgia Dow, where could people find oh, it's you? Harsh, it's harsh. Uh, you can check me out um, if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, or relationship issue, issues. You can check out anxiety-videos.com. Um, please leave a review for us. We don't have any new reviews. It's sad. Make it poetic, funny, silly, uh, whatever that might be so that we get to read it out. And uh, if not, you can check me out on Twitter. It's at Georgia underscore Dow. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, Georgia. You listen to me and you listen to me good. You go review our show right now. Right now. What? Oh, I can't even believe you're not reviewing our show right now. Oh. It's been so oh. long since we had a Brie talking to. And every time help. a Brie talking to happens, people go rate the show. It's true. Please, it's don't, true. don't leave Brie in this state. I will destroy you. I will make it my mission in life <laughs> if you don't review our show. say where steve was this week hey oh listeners God. now that we're an hour okay, into the show steve is people. at disney steve is oh at disney God, we're yes. oh, no. steve is i hope he doesn't listen to this one. Um, <laughs> he literally told me he can't wait to listen to this as a listener so oh good, good i'm good. so sorry listener steve <laughs>